Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with a drive, blocked by Jackson. Bane, step back three. Bingo! Hello, Grizzly fans, and welcome to the 2023-2024 NBA season. It is here, and this is our season kickoff edition of the Core Four, one of the featured podcasts here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. We are taping this show Tuesday evening, October 24th, 2023, an hour or so before the Lakers and champion Nuggets tip off. And today we will feature some of our regular Core Four segments, Climbing Corner, We'll have a preseason awards trophy case, our league top four rankings, and we'll embrace debate. So much to cover. Should be a lot of fun. My name is David Buckler, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Gill. Unfortunately, our other co-host is out sick. Xavier Dotson is not with us tonight, and hopefully he'll be back with us soon. Matt, how are you doing today? I am excellent. Always uh, good to jump on with you. hate to not have Xavier. Uh but yeah, if you've heard, you guys have watched all his videos on Twitter and stuff. He did not sound great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're getting him the night off. Um, he's getting a little load management so that he can get through a long podcasting season. People don't yeah, realize. Yeah, I love it too. And he, he's probably been the most active of the three of us, right, over the course of the summer with his videos and uh, does a great job with the coverage here in Bluff City. So Xavier, get better soon. Man, I cannot believe the season is here. Memphis basketball is back. And I think this start of the season feels ultra important given the injuries, the suspension of John Morant, and some of the other things going on with the team right now. What do you think? More so than recent years, this first uh, stretch of the season is vital for us? I think it uh, will determine a lot in the future of this franchise for sure. Um a bad start puts them behind the eight ball in a really competitive Western conference um, where this team, where they are in their kind of trajectory, it is um, expected that they're going to make the playoffs year in and year out. I don't think that's necessarily a given this year, especially when your best player is not playing for the first 25 games, more injuries mounting, which we will uh, talk about as well. The team is uh, they got a lot to overcome. So, Things could look a lot different based on how the start of the season go comes, you know, trade season and stuff like that. But, yeah, like you said, Dave, I don't really know what to expect, but you can feel the importance and kind of the uphill climb these guys have to um, start tomorrow night uh, against New Orleans, who another franchise that's kind of at a crossroads and is always going to be linked with the Grizzlies uh, because of that Zion jaw draft. And it is interesting to see, you know, where both those guys have – come and where they are to start the season and where both those franchises are and they're going to be facing off opening night so yeah i'm excited for the season to start but from a grizzlies perspective things are definitely a little um i think people are are definitely nervous and (laughs) kind of on edge with how things are going to go to start things off a lot of storylines a lot of drama interesting that the nba has new orleans and memphis Opening night for the Grizzlies, you know, the, the, the connection with John Zion, and they've got a lot of questions. Of course, last January, they were one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Those folks doing podcasting for the Pelicans would be saying that this is a really important start of their season as well. You know, man, I was looking at the first four games for Memphis, and it's kind of an interesting stretch. We start with the Pelicans tomorrow night. <laughs> Where is Zion in his development? And then on Friday, the champion Nuggets come to town. An interesting measuring stick early in the season. 
On Saturday, they come here to Washington. I'm actually not going to be able to go. And I, I was kind of disappointed. The one time a year they come into Washington, they come in the first weekend of the season. And the Wizards are one of my kind of improved teams this year. I think the Wizards are going to be feisty. And then Monday night, the 30th, before we record again, they will have the Mavericks coming in. Another team I think is going to outperform. A lot of people disagree with me on that. But I look at that opening stretch of the season. If we went two and two, over our first four games, how would that land with you? Pretty good with, I mean, the teams that you just mentioned. Uh, you know, I obviously think the world of the Nuggets uh, going off their title as well. Like you said, the Pelicans started off really well last year. I think they were like 22-10 and 10 through their first 32, something like that. They had a really good record. They were uh, in that one-seed conversation at the beginning of last year as well. Um, so you have New Orleans, Denver, and the Mavericks, three of your first four, you know, four teams, excuse me, three teams, four, if you count the Grizzlies as well, four teams that, you know, want to be in that title discussion for the Western Conference and definitely going to be vying for uh, playoff seeding the entire year. We're a long way from that, but it is a really important stretch. Like you said, the Wizards game is kind of just weirdly thrown in there as their, you know, one road game to start off um, in October real quickly. Uh, so that that is a strange scheduling blip right there i hadn't really gotten that far ahead in the schedule to think about it but um yeah so three teams in the west that i really respect i really you want to see them win opening night and the thing is they have they've they've been great at home you know Mm -hmm. over these last couple of years so they do have that advantage of getting all three of those those western conference opponents at least um are going to be coming to memphis so i actually would say that two and two would be a little bit disappointing through those Four. You would like to think that the Wizards game is going to be a win, so that's one of those for you. And I just think, you know, the the buzz of opening night, playing the Pelicans at home, a home opener, uh, I would hope that they win that game. And then the Mavericks as well, uh, you know, you just touched on, you think that they're going to be pretty good as well as the Wizards. I don't necessarily see it. I think Luka is going to be great. I don't love the rest of the, the roster for the Mavericks as well. So I, I would like to see them three and one. I think that's very possible for sure. Um, but it's hard to tell until we really see what the remaining parts of this Memphis ro- roster is going to look like on the floor together. Sort of fascinating, right? I mean, we, we have uh, Marcus Smart. How's he going to look? You know, how is Derek Rose going to look? It's going to be very interesting. Before we get into our segments, I have one other question for you about this in-season tournament thing kind of early in the season here. And I was looking at, uh, I know like here in Washington, uh, they'll be in the in this tournament. I was thinking maybe go to one of those games. They sort of felt more important. I don't know. Are they more important? Is it is it, it generating the interest that the NBA thought it would, or is this early season tournament just nonsense? I think it's going to be one of those things that for this year it's going to be really competitive, and I think people are going to want to win the first one, especially teams like the Lakers, for instance. A guy like LeBron James wants to put his name on that trophy in case it does become something that's really important down the road. Obviously, this year, being that it is new, I don't think anybody puts a ton of importance on it, and like it's not going to affect LeBron James' legacy to win the first one ever by any means. But that's something that a guy like LeBron might look look at, or if you're a team like Milwaukee, who um, you look at your rival in Boston right now, and, and you see all the headlines they're getting, and you look at that in-season tournament, and you say, "Hey, we're we, you know we have kind of dominated the regular season in the East the past couple seasons. That's another way we can put our stamp on this and announce to the rest of the league that like we're here, we're still here, we're still a great team, and and Dame is you know 
acclimating smoothly into uh, being a, a Milwaukee Bucks. So I, I think that for teams at the top of the heap, they look at it as a way to um, kind of make a statement early in the season. Now I see in the future that it could become an all-star game kind of thing where, where you know, superstars may not, you know, look at it with a with a great reverence or anything like that in a couple of years. But because it's new, because it's the first year, I think it's going to be really competitive and something that I'm really looking forward to. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I'm ready to jump into our first segment. And today's first topic is going to be our climbing corner segment. Normally teams, Matt, they go into the season with a roster locked down and ready to go. But this Grizzlies team seems to have more questions than answers this year. As we look towards the opener against new Orleans tomorrow, the Steven Adams news that just broke, the Josh suspension, the Brandon Clark injury, we barely talk about anymore. Right. New faces on this roster. Let's start with the Adams news that he will miss the season. And I am not one of those people, Matt, that wants to say, I told you so, I told you so. This didn't sound right to me for months. And now we hear that he's going to need surgery. He's out for the year. He has a sprained posterior cruciate ligament. They didn't know that back in the spring. They tried non-operative rehab, and they just realized two days before the opening game that that's not working and he needs season-end surgery. None of this smells right to me at all. What are your thoughts on the fact that Adams is going to need surgery? He's out for the year in terms of his impact on the court, but also doesn't the team deserve some kind of criticism here and how this was handled? Yeah, I don't know about that necessarily. I, I know that we kind of wanted more information at the time, but I, I just think Steven Adams is such a tough dude. He was a guy – he's an ultra-competitive guy. He's been in the league for a long time now. I think he really wanted to come back. I think that maybe this came from him to kind of keep things under wraps possibly, and that's kind of how we got to this point mm. of no return where we got to hear the season's about to start. They do one last checkup on him, and they're like, look, man, it's just not happening. You know, you're not Aquaman. You're not You're not yeah. regenerating that quickly. And i got to be honest, as soon as I heard this news, the only thing I could think is, man, Dave is not going to be happy about this. <laughs> you, you, um, yeah, you called it from the very beginning, man. Um, last season when he went down the first time, you're like, he's, he's going to be out how long? And, and with what injury? And there definitely was some kind of smoke and mirrors with the reporting of it. I think that possibly they wanted to be optimistic as a team. I think Steven Adams was very optimistic as an individual, as a, as a guy that is renowned for his toughness around the league as being one of the strongest, uh, toughest dudes in the entire NBA. And for him to have to miss an entire season, it sucks, man. It's, it's a guy that is not – you wouldn't look at and be like, well, they built this team around him. But as a defensive identity, they kind of have. They they brought him in specifically to fill the gaps that Jaron Jackson, you know, their kind of star big, mm-hmm. does not fill, and that is rebounding, you know, and, and the and in the screen game in particular. And um, they're going to lose a lot of that, not just because of Stephen Adams, but Tyus Jones is out the door. He they were a really good, you know, combination. Tyus Jones coming off of those Stephen Adams screens, um, springing shooters on the outside as well. Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard, you know, his screen game definitely underrated um and that is something that will be missed and you know there's a lot of popular names floating out there as replacements i am interested to see what they do um and how they kind of fill that gap because they have to do something they, they, they just don't have enough guys as you said brandon clark's kind of been forgotten in this whole thing and if you have brandon clark maybe it's not that big a deal but without him still i mean you're just really really thin at that big spot and um a lot's going to be put on Jared Jackson's shoulders. 
And, uh, you know, you talked about all the upheaval and all the, the roster movements. There's also going to be two new starters to start this year. Right. You know, Xavier, Xavier Tillman has started games in the past, but he wasn't the day one starter last year. And he wasn't really even the, the, the day one backup last year. This time last year, we were talking about Xavier Tillman is not long for Memphis, and he had a really great second half of that season. But to play, you know, to, to now he's penciled in as an 82-game starter right now as we speak. Um, that's a different role. And, and you know, all signs point to Zaire as being the starting three. That's a different role for him. That's mm-hmm. two more changes to this team. Um, and it's a lot of upheaval. It's a lot of movement. And we'll see um, how things, you know, shake out these first couple games. And especially the first 25 without Ja. You know, he's another guy that has to be a leader when he comes back on the floor for him. And uh, it's going to be another really hard test for Taylor Jenkins. The last couple of years, the start of Memphis Grizzlies seasons have not looked great. And Taylor Jenkins has kind of uh, maneuvered his way through those situations. Last year, it was Jaron's injury to start the year. If you remember, Jaron was not healthy. And, um, you know, Jenkins really did navigate that and, and handle it well and get the team kind of rowing in the same direction and, and able to tread water until they had all of their guys, the Desmond Bain injury, John missed time. You know, he he was a really good coach at kind of filling in those gaps. So he's got his toughest test ahead of him to start this season, though. No, he sure does. He sure does. And we're a small team now, Matt. I mean, we lost, yeah. we lost, you know, between Brandon Clark and and, and Steven Adams, we lost some real strong inside presence. And I like Jaron and I like Tillman and I like Aldama. But, you know, we are now not nearly as versatile. And, and I do believe over the course of a season and through a playoff run, you have to be able to play every style because you don't know you, you don't know who you're going to be able to match up against. And and uh, losing his offensive rebounding and his screening and just that kind of size inside. So if they do make a move, it's going to be fascinating. I wrote notes here that uh, boy, we're a small team now. This is really going to hurt. I why did we not know about this earlier? And then I wrote. I think he's played his last game in Memphis. I think that's possible. Because I think he's an expiring next year. You know, uh, he's out for the whole year, so he's not coming back to at least next training camp. But I think he'll be moved in an expiring contract where they try to match up with salaries the way the NBA trade situations are, right? You know, he's got a, what, uh, he makes 12.6. It's pretty nice. You throw him in there with, you know, maybe a Lofton and, you know, Vince Williams, or we can piece together something in a couple picks. But I think he's going to be moved uh, on the expiring deal. And I think we've seen the last of Steven Adams in Memphis, which is really unfortunate because he is a really kind of fun part of the team. But the business side of this, something is just strange to me. If you're, if you're Xavier Tillman, he probably is super excited because his role on this team just increased. But not to know that going into training camp and having the coaches kind of work together on on these are our top 12 guys, it worries me this close to the season. Now, the one thing I will say is a long season, as long as we get everything smoothed out by January, February, okay, there's time. But I, I think he's played his last game in Memphis. Is that an overreaction? No, I'm with you too. When I was looking at some options um, for them to kind of replace him. He almost has to be in the deal Mm -hmm. to get a replacement just because of the salary. So basically you're trading a guy on an expiring deal who is not going to play this season. So that means you're going to have to fix somebody else's problem um, or really sweeten it with a bunch of picks because Adams at that point literally is just, you know, salary filler. 
and you got to, you know, package, you know, he is not the centerpiece of, of one of these deals. He is the salary to match. And I got some ideas for that. I'll get to in just a second. The other thing, uh, you know, from the 4,000 foot view, come playoff time too. think about the, the bigs that they're going to have to beat to get to their ultimate goal of, you know, winning playoff series and ultimately a championship. They have Anthony Davis. Uh, you have Jokic, obviously. There's some really skilled bigs in the West, and as they get smaller and smaller and thinner at that big spot, like they're in some real trouble for sure. But yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally with you. I think that, um, you know, and, and that is looking a long way out as we are talking the day before uh, the season starts. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's very possible that Stephen Adams is is no longer a Memphis Grizzly for all intents and purposes, um, you know, the, the most popular name being floated right now is Robert Williams, who is on that Portland roster. Um, and for the Grizzlies to get involved in that, it's probably going to be a, a picks, uh, you know, heavy deal. Uh, plus probably Zaire Williams, you know, as, as the kind of centerpiece for them, maybe Jake LaRavia as well. And you match up some contracts. There's also a trade possibility with Brandon Clark, and Steven Adams as well um, to another team that, that really interests me and, and may take some people by surprise, but this is kind of what they have to do. They have to solve somebody else's problem. And I look at another West team that has a really good young core and that made a mistake. And now the Grizzlies may be able to fix it for them. If you trade Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, and then a little extra salary, which may have to end up being Luke Kennard, but you could, go and get Rudy Gobert. Now, I am not a big Rudy Gobert fan, but the double but he does a lot of the same things as Steven Adams, right? Yeah, he, he does. He does. He, re, he rebounds, he sets screens well, and he's a a plus at defending the rim. Now, you pair Jaron and Rudy Gobert together, pretty devastating duo, you know, if you're trying to come in the paint and, you know, Jaron obviously then can play off the ball defensively as a roamer in a role that he feels more comfortable in. So that's a, a guy kind of off the radar that I think could benefit both teams. You know, um, Minnesota kind of solves their spacing dilemma that they have with Gobert and Cat. And, you know, that this deal also could apply to Cat as well. It's another, you know, I, I just look at Minnesota as they have a great player in Anthony Edwards. They've clogged up the lane now with having both those bigs. One of those guys should go. And I think Memphis could help them out, and it could be a, a mutually beneficial deal um, to land one of those two guys from Minnesota. But it seems like a lot of people want Robert Williams. He's a guy that I like as well, but has a long injury history. And, you know, he's not – yeah, he's not healthy at the end of the year the last couple of seasons for Boston, and that's a big reason why they moved on from him. They couldn't count on him at the end of the season, and I just don't see that, um, you know, being any different if he comes to Memphis. And and he's a fine rebounder. He's not on that level of Steven Adams. Obviously, very few people are – so I like a big swing like that. Like I, I you know, I know it, it, Rudy Gobert's contract is not the greatest, but it's a reset for Minnesota, and it solves a big problem for Memphis while also doubling down on their defensive identity. So I think it's worth a look at least, or a phone call. You know, It'd be interesting if they don't do anything. I think it tells you about what the management thinks about this season. Yeah. True. Right, and, and and I will say this: I I thought, uh, and I was listening to a podcast. Bill Simmons loves the Thunder this year. I, I mean, if you've listened to his podcast, but he really likes Oklahoma City going into the season. And I was thinking, I thought Adams was going to get traded anyway. I I thought that he is like the perfect fit for Oklahoma City, uh, similar to do the things he does with Memphis. 
But now that he's injured, I don't think that will take, you know, that 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 would happen. Uh, it'll be very fascinating to see what they do with their, you know, their disabled player exception, if they use that, those kinds of things. But this really throws the roster in a little bit of chaos. When And I mentioned this last time we recorded with Xavier. I want more clarity. And, and that when I read that news about Steven Adams, all I think now is there's more chaos. Maybe Xavier Tillman steps up. Maybe Kenny Lofton gets some minutes, but I, I haven't loved what I've seen of him as, a, as an all-around NBA player. Yeah. I just think this was not the time for more uncertainty on the roster when we already don't know what we're getting from John Morant this season, if we're just being honest. And, well, you know, the Western Conference is pretty good, Matt. It's pretty good. You know, I, I we were joking on the over and unders. Xavier's like, we're going to win 60 games. I don't think anybody's winning 60 games. No. No, I, I'm with you on that. When we, um, you know, we're just kind of previewing the season, see where, uh, you know, kind of my thoughts, my gut reactions were, you know, one of my first things was I, I was going to go look at over-unders for each team, and I was like, yeah, nobody's winning 60 games this year. I feel pretty confidently about that. But then all of the Vegas lines confirmed that, and I was like, oh, that's actually not that hot of a take. Nobody – I think the highest win total was Denver at 52 uh i and that that may have been no i was definitely post dame trade so i don't know but it was it was not no there was nobody that was around the 55 game mark by any means so i i think vegas confirms that as well it's going to be really loaded in the middle uh and that upper tier as well to to kind of get those first four seeds it's going to be a gauntlet man and uh it's going to be really tough to to move up the board and as you said very smartly it tells you everything you need to know about what the, the front office, the ownership, um, everybody thinks about this season if they do nothing. If they do nothing, that means they're saying, all right, we're punting. There's too much uh, going on. There's too much upheaval. We have a lack of clarity like you talk about. And they say, all right, we're just going to we're gonna have this team be Marcus Smart and Desmond Bain and Zaire Williams and Jaron and Xavier Tillman and – we're going to see what we can do, and it's probably a, a play-in team, a seven through nine uh, or ten seed uh, in the West, and, and maybe we give somebody a series in the first round, something like that. But it tells, yeah, it would be very telling if they don't do anything, and I wouldn't mind it either. Like I wouldn't mind holding on to these assets. It's kind of I kind of want them to do one of the two extremes, which would be do nothing or go all in and try and salvage this season with a guy like Gobert. Um, so it's either an all or nothing kind of kind of move to me is the way to do it. Uh, and if they do nothing, they're probably in that, you know, play in game range. And it'll be a season that, you know, we'll look back on as like, man, you know, that that <laughs> something that could have been a great season uh, if everything had broken right. But it, but too much upheaval, too much lack of clarity, as you talked about. One last note here before we move to our next segment, and you mentioned the seeds, and, and there's been a lot of discussion in baseball about, you know, the Atlanta Braves and the Dodgers and the Orioles, all these high seeds, 100-win-plus teams get to the playoffs, and they were beaten by the, you know, lower seeds. And we saw that even with the Grizzlies the last two years. They were the number two seed in the West both of the past two seasons and didn't advance very far. And the, the argument is that, that the actual seedings going into the playoffs aren't that important anymore because home court advantage is not what it was back in the 80s. So maybe it's okay if the Grizzlies kind of just see what we have for the first, you know, October, November, December, get into January, you know, maybe Tillman's really matured, you know, and, and, and then make a smart move around the fringes. 
I'm okay, Matt, waiting a few weeks, a month or two, not to overreact to this news and and then look back in January and say, man, we really blew it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's very smart. And, you know, one of the things, you know, you're just talking about the playoff seating and being ready for the playoffs and having everybody healthy yeah. is really the main thing now. It's get yourself in the tournament and have everybody healthy and have everybody ready to go. And I wonder if one of the unintended consequences that we will see from this jaw suspension is it's a possibility he's the healthiest he's ever been come playoff time. You know what I mean? And we've seen some great jaw playoff performances so far. But if he's going to play less than 60 games this year, like, you know, he might be the freshest he's ever been come playoff time. And that seems to be the trend of what everybody's trying to do in the in the NBA playoffs now is have everybody ready. Uh He's obviously serving the suspension for being a knucklehead, but in the long run, it could benefit the Grizzlies uh, if he's going to be 100% and ready to go and he hasn't, you know, put the miles on the tires that he normally would come playoff time. So that would be interesting to watch as well. Our next segment, we need to discuss, Matt, the recent ESPN cover story on John Morant. It's a less than flattering editorial on his time here in Memphis, both in and out of Grizzly team activities. The timing of the article was interesting to me, as was some of the content, which appears to paint a complex picture of the team's role and his father's role in Jaws' behavioral issues this past offseason. I remember thinking this is a lot worse than we're you know, being told. And we have a couple incidents over the past couple of years, but it just didn't sound right to me that that was all there was. This article seemed to confirm my fears give me your thoughts on that espn john moran story um i got a lot of thoughts on it for sure my number one thought with and i'm not talking about this john Morant story in espn i'm talking about this entire debacle um scandal all of the goings on around it i'm so tired of it i'm so frustrated by it Tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. Tired of listening to people talk about it, especially people who are not um, super tapped into the team. Uh, people who have not, you know, I, I spent time in Memphis. I am not from Memphis, but I, you know, spent almost three years there. So I, you know, I have a feeling of of kind of how the city feels about John Moran and all these things, man. And uh, I'm really tired of hearing about it. And I'm also really frustrated by John Morant's response. Mm-hmm. Since these things have come out, I'm, if I see another tweet of his, that's like working in the silence or like you got to fall to redeem yourself, man, I'm so tired of that. Just shut up. Just be quiet. Go about your business. I love the messaging of it, but you're not really doing it. You're not really working in silence. You're commenting on all this stuff. He's making T-shirts that say, you know, the the rise before the fall or whatever his T-shirts are or whatever. He's trying to make money off of it now, too. And I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of, like, he seems to still not be getting it in my mind. It just seems to not be getting through to him. Uh, he had a similar response after the article came out. You know, he supported, you know, he posted a bunch about his dad. And that was kind of a new angle of this that we haven't really heard before from this ESPN article was that Team Morant is, you know, their thesis was essentially that Team Morant didn't make it as a superstar um, athlete, and so he's living vicariously through his son, whatever, whatever. 
And, uh, you know, Ja posted a lot of pictures about his dad and said, you know, how much the support meant to him, whatever. It's all great. I just wish he would just stop with the social media altogether, though. Uh, I wish he would just keep working, keep practicing, be a member of the team behind the scenes like we learned at Media Day he was allowed to do. And I just wish he would stop the bickering and and, and subtweeting people when the NBA rankings come out. It's like, man, just serve your 25 games. Come back and just be the great basketball player that you are. I'm just so tired of this um, entire story. And I really hope that this is kind of the last shot of it. I hope that now people have made up their mind about jaw one way or the other. I don't see, I don't think the ESPN story really changed how people felt about him by any means. You kind of already know what camp you're in with jaw um, before reading that. I believe if you're paying attention to basketball, so I just wish and I hope that that's the last of it, that this is the last of these reports. I hope he serves his 25-game suspension, and I hope he comes back and he is just the awesome basketball player that everybody who is a Memphis Grizzlies fan loves to watch because I'm very tired about reading it, and I'm very exhausted with his responses and his, you know, just seem to be lack of it kicking in with him and, and, and making sense of, of what he is actually supposed to be doing right now. Nah, it's so well said. It's so well said. I got I to gotta tell you, I'm exhausted by it as well. This is not a conspiracy by the NBA. Can we stop with all these, you know, fanboys on Twitter, like, you know, Jaws being in a conspiracy with the NBA? This is his fault, Matt. I mean, there, there are other factors that you could point to, like, you know, the NBA culture or the money he got or, you know, the way he was raised. And ultimately, we all own our own actions. And this is his fault. It's one thing in the in, in sports to get a superstar. You got to get the right superstar. Right. You know, there's other, you know, Zion Williams is a superstar. The Pelicans might not have the right superstar. Tim Duncan went to the Spurs. They got the right superstar. Kobe Bryant. Now, Kobe Bryant had some issues off the court. But when it came to basketball, he was unbelievable. And it was all focus. It was all basketball all the time. He has five championships as a result. I will tell you this, and I, I'm not trying to overstate this. If John Morant doesn't get his head screwed on right, and come back and 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 be a leader and be the, the, the unbelievable player that he is. This will kill the Grizzlies. This will kill them for five, six, seven years. This isn't like, well, John, well, it didn't work out with John Morant. So, you know, we're going to win titles without him. We're not winning titles without him. You don't get players like this on a team like Memphis very often. In fact, one of the things I said in the article was like, he's the, the biggest superstar since Elvis. And, you know, we love Zach Randolph, right? We love, we love Marcus Salt. It's not John Morant. John Morant moves the needle in every way. Commercial, you know, he sells shoes. He's on yep. TV. He he's he makes Memphis cool. If this doesn't work out and we ship him out, and by the way, to think that a trade is un, you know impossible, people have to get their head out of the sand. He's going to be moved if he doesn't, because this article told you that Taylor Jenkins and 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 Zach Lyman are, are, are they tried. The team tried. There were team sources in this article, Matt, that wanted this to get out. They've tried with this kid and everybody loves him. He's, a, he's the best Grizzly ever. And he will be the best Grizzly ever for you. If this doesn't get straightened out, you know, I don't want to hear about like, well, Vince Williams shoots good three pointers 
or like LaRavia makes things happen. If this doesn't work out with John Moran and we don't get back like a mountain of assets that include like Gilgis Alexander, and like Josh Giddy, it's over for this, for this next gen, you know, John is that important. Am I overstating that? No, you're no, you're definitely not. He, that is what you try to do. Like you try and get a superstar like John Morant. The entire fate of the Grizzlies organization changed um, that lottery night for the 2019 draft when the Grizzlies jumped up and got the number two pick. Um, and probably more so than they even thought, just by comparison to what has happened with Zion. And you know, at least we've we've gotten some good good runs out of Jaw, some important playoff runs. Um, and he's still going to play basketball this year, so it's it, it's going to continue to build that way, and he's going to be a Memphis Grizzly this season. But as you mentioned, the fact that there's anonymous team sources in it, it tells me that they feel the same way as we do, Dave. They're frustrated with this too. They're tired of dealing with it. They're tired of having to answer questions about it, um, and they wouldn't have gone on the record albeit anonymously, they wouldn't have, um, you know, talked to these reporters unless they wanted to send a clear message to Ja himself, like, hey, man, we're getting at the end of our road with this too. So if you like being a Memphis Grizzly, we like you being a Memphis Grizzly, but it's not working right now. Something's got to change. And this clearly was, you know, obviously Grizzlies leadership didn't reach out to, I believe it was Baxter Holmes and, and somebody else. There's two reporters that worked on the story, but it, they didn't reach out to ESPN being like, Hey, we want to be, we want to give you information to write this John Moran article, but they didn't tell them that they weren't going to talk. You know what I mean? They could have turned away, turned them away and said, you know, talk to other people. And they did. There's a lot of other people that spoke in this um, article from the Memphis area who have had encounters with John Morant. And, um, the more that comes out, it also just kind of confirms all of the stories and rumors that we had heard in the past with the kid at the basketball game, um, you know, playing pickup at his house and the shoe store story and uh, the Indiana Pacers incidents. Like, as more of these things come out, it just leads lends credence to the fact that, you know, there kind of was some fire where there was that smoke earlier in this entire story. And, uh, you know, He's got to figure it out because you are right. A trade will happen. Somebody will give him another chance. Maybe that's what's best for both parties in the and Jai and um and the Grizzlies themselves. So I, I don't well, know. Man, he's not from Memphis, right? Like everyone that got home never leave Memphis. He's not from Memphis. He's like, well, he's not Derek. You know, he didn't play in Memphis like Derek Rose did in college. You know, like this whole thing that like, well, Ja loves Memphis. Of course he is. He was drafted there. You know, I mean, it's not like he's the Memphis's own John Morant. I mean, like we're, we are Correct. so blessed to have him. And what's what's really fascinating to me, by the way, when they say he's the biggest star since Elvis, and all apologies to Jerry the King Lawler, which, you know, I know maybe a different, you know, uh, yeah, professional wrestling, but Jerry the King Lawler could have run for the mayor of Memphis and is, is one of the world famous pro wrestlers of all time. And Memphis was always, you know, where he did his best work. So love the King. But the, the, but the point is that, if you look at a superstar in a city, I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. Troy Aikman, when he retired in 2000, it's been 23 years looking for a player of Troy Aikman's caliber. Tony Romo was good. Dak Prescott's okay. We're not winning any Super Bowls. Troy Aikman won Super Bowls. 
right? Peyton Manning went to the Colts. Peyton Manning leaves the Colts. They're not winning Super Bowls. You know, well, when you get these guys, man, they don't fall from the sky. They're very, very, very hard to find. Who won last year? Oh, Joker won last year. Oh, Giannis has a ring. Oh, Seth Curry has a bunch of rings. You know, John Morant is in. So my point to you is if he goes and gets traded somewhere because we can't deal with him as a personality, we're not winning championships with Desmond Bain. I love Desmond Bain, but he's a role player. Imagine him on the Lakers. He'd be unbelievable with that team. You know, I mean, when you get the sizzle, when you get that guy that can be like with the ball in his hands at the end of the game in game six of the finals and make a play when you need a basket, it's it's the hardest thing in sports to find. I think an NBA superstar is the single hardest thing for a franchise to find. You know, a lot of teams have never had him, and there's a lot of teams with no rings, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, when Bayama goes to the Spurs and he's getting better and better and better every preseason game scares me. He's in our, he's in our division. Right. So, but the point is that if this doesn't work with Ja, it's not like we're just replacing him with, uh, Oh, well, we really like Zaire Williams and, you know, John Contar is good off the bench. Like it's over. Jaron's a nice player, but Ja is the piece that can put us into the Western conference finals and win an NBA championship. And I think it's, it's a really critical point where if the ownership loses their focus with him and, and just can't reach him or whatever and they move him what a missed opportunity i think that's why people are so scared of it because memphis has just not had the success that la has had that boston's had right that miami's had and so this means an awful lot to all of us yeah definitely um and hopefully like i said this is kind of the the bow on it and this is the end and he serves his 25 games and, and everything's great. But going back to what you said, like if you think Jaws never going to leave, he's not from here. As you said, LeBron James is from Ohio. He left twice. And he left. He's, yeah. Twice. Yeah, twice. These, guys, these guys do not care. Ja, if it comes to the end of the road, Jaws not going to care that he got drafted by Memphis um, if it's preventing him from continuing his NBA career. And the front office eventually – and it sounds like they're getting close, is not going to care either that he is their beloved son. Um, and this article just shows that, man. They're frustrated by it. I'm frustrated by it. Um, I think a lot of people probably are at this point. And um, I'm just ready for him to get back and play basketball. That's it. If Brooklyn calls, Matt, and it's Mikael Bridges, Cam Thomas, Claxton, and three number ones for John Moran, who says no? Probably Memphis still, if that's I had to guess. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. But it's like you said, those that's the guy they're looking for. John Moran is the is the superstar that you're looking yeah. for. Um, so you're banking yeah. on and, and and by the way, by trading th- th- this is the other problem with all those superstar trades is if we give Brooklyn John Morant, their their picks aren't as valuable as they they're are good. without John Morant. They're going to yeah. be good. He's that kind of player. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're not going to be that super valuable picks. You have to have the number one or number two pick like they got super lucky with the draft jaw to get these guys. It's really, really hard to find them, as you said. If you're giving up jaw, you have to get a bona fide superstar back, in my opinion. And maybe it's a guy that's kind of like at the end of his road and you know needs a change of scenery. Like if things burn out in Phoenix again, and, you know, they just got a new coach in there. They obviously have made big roster moves to bring in Bradley Beal, another superstar. But eventually, like, Devin Booker may be tired of hitting his head on that ceiling 
And that's a kind of guy that I would I would put a you know, I would be okay for them drafting or excuse me, trading John Morant for is if you're getting another top ten bona fide superstar guard in particular, um, that can kind of lead your team. Otherwise, yeah, it would take a lot, uh, and it would have to be kind of a five year continuous saga of this stuff before I'd want to give up a package for draft picks for him. You know what I mean? Especially with a, without, you know, we, we just saw the, the, this generation's next great superstar in Wimban Yama get drafted. Those guys don't come around a bunch. If it was, uh, you know, a trade with a, a player like that involved um, that you could draft and again, kind of start over, then that's something to consider. Otherwise, yeah, it's gotta be another top 10 player in my opinion. Well, and, and, and what we really need is a, a dose of good news, right? Kick off the season sure. tomorrow night. Let's have a good win against the Pelicans tomorrow night. You know, see the Zaire's continued improvement. Hopefully, you know, uh, Marcus Smart makes an, an imprint. And, and so, like, I'm just looking forward to the game tomorrow night and because I feel like, you know, I don't want to always be grumpy, right? I don't want to always be thinking about, like, all oh, the negative of Moran and Adams and all, you know, Brandon Clark's hurt. And it'll be nice to get back to playing Grizzly basketball and hopefully we we'll get off to a good start. I think that leads right into our next segment. So with our next segment, with the roster uncertainty we have now, the preseason took on added importance. Matt, let's hand out some awards and start to fill up this season's trophy case. You want to go ahead first? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I wasn't. I try to be super creative with these, um, and I, I, I had a hard time coming up with some. Um, the first one I'm going to give out here, I'm going to do the Kawhi Leonard Award for load <laughs> management. Um, which is going to Bradley Beal, who, as you said, we're recording before their game starts, and he's already taken a night off uh, up in Phoenix, which is interesting to me. Um, this Phoenix team and their championship aspirations, which we'll, we're going to talk about in our top four rankings, where we see some of these teams, um, you know, setting up with each other in terms of championship possibilities. The Suns are in the top of that conversation for a lot of people in the West. And I see this team as they, you know, they've addressed some of their depth as they've kind of gone on through free agency and, you know, and adding some additional guys. But if they don't have those three guys healthy, they're in real trouble. Um, and to for Bradley Beal to take off a night uh, on, on opening night against the Golden State Warriors on national TV is kind of alarming to me. Like, that's kind of like, all right, what do you expect? And when the trade for Bradley Beal broke, I, I kind of was like, all right, like, has anybody watched him in Washington the last little bit? Like, he's a he's a ball-stopping guy that doesn't play a, a ton. You know, he missed a bunch of games in Washington, too. I don't have to tell you that, Dave. And, uh, you know, so we'll see if he is, you know, the thing that kind of puts them over the top. Uh, but, yeah, real concerning to take off night one by Bradley Beal. So he gets the Kawhi Leonard Award. For that, uh, this is one that I'm bringing back from last oh, year. I have a quick comment on the Bradley Beal. Very Please. interesting award. Please. By the way, for a guy who spent his whole career in Washington, you would think like he would be super jazzed to play opening night on his new team or the team of finals um, expectations and his backwards. I have a real quick funny story about Bradley Beal, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> I, know, I know friends in the audio industry here. And did you know that Bradley Beal buys two of everything? Like, you know, he like when he goes to the Lamborghini dealership or the Mars, he buys two. And they're like, what are you doing, Bradley? And he's like, well, you know, eventually one's going to have to be in the shop. It's like, yeah, like 10 cars. Like it's in the shop for like four days. 
But like he only, he only all the auto dealerships here in DC, they know Bradley Beal because he comes in and he buys two automobiles. I thought that was funny. And I thought that was a little weird too. And I like, I don't know. I look for little signs like that, Matt, that that's maybe not the guy who's going to win finals MVP. I would agree with you there on Bradley Beal. But I do do the same thing, but I just can't <laughs> afford, I can't afford Lamborghinis. But like, if, uh, for example, uh, if there's a pair of New Balances that I really love and they're hard to get, I will try and get two pairs because right. of because eventually the one pair is going to blow out. Uh, another thing is hats. I, I like to wear a lot of hats. Uh, generally, I go with a white hat, but you know they take a beating, man. Especially if you wear them every day. And so I have bought two of the same hat at the same time before. So I'm giving you the Bradley Beal Award. I'm yeah, so I, so I get the Bradley Beal Award for double buying, but <laughs> mine is mine is completely different from Lamborghinis. I have a long way to go um, there. We got to start selling some big ad deals on this podcast if I'm going to start doing a Lamborghini. Uh, all right, I'm bringing back a classic from last year, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you on the spot too to give me yours because I, I wonder if the the uh, answer has changed, but. This is the Patrick Beverly Award for most hated player on another team. We did this one last year, all of us. Um, I'm actually going to give this one now to Dylan Brooks, who is no longer a Memphis Grizzly, who was very frustrating as a Memphis Grizzly, is a guy that I tore apart a lot of times for his shot selection, his inefficiency offensively, uh, his defensive antics, uh, and just the unnecessary uh, spotlight that he brought himself in Memphis and now they're going to get to play him a lot because he's in Houston. Uh, so they're going to see him a couple times this season as well. And I got a feeling Dylan Brooks uh, is going to – he's going to do his uh, wrestling heel kind of moves when he returns to Memphis uh, for whenever that rematch uh, may be. So he gets the Patrick Beverly Award. Do you have one off the top of your head? I believe my answer last year was the Joker. Okay. And I'm going I'm to repeat that answer because, you know, he terrifies me in terms of getting to the NBA finals. We have to go through Denver and you finally won me over last year. And oh, what a quality team that is. What what a job he does when that team is a leader. And, and I will tell you, like, we'll see this when they, they play, they play Denver on uh Friday night. I, I find myself like yelling at the TV, like, why can't they guard him? It looks so easy. He's at the top of the key and he, I mean, I, I just stunned, but he's so talented and such a great team player. So I don't hate him, you know, like, like uh, an ex-girlfriend kind of thing. Yeah. I, I hate him because, you know, because he frustrates me and he's such a talented guy that it looks like it'd be easy to stop him. He doesn't even look that athletic and you turn around at the end of the game and he was the deciding factor. So he's so frustrating. Luca, you know, the Mavericks haven't had the success, but he has a little of that for me. But I, I'm going to give that to uh, Joker because he terrifies me, and we have to go through Denver now. Yeah, no, rightfully so, and the defending champions as well. Can't wait to watch that game tonight, by the way. Um, all right, last one. I'm going to do the Sacramento Kings Award for taking a major jump last year. The Sacramento Kings were a darling of all NBA fans. Uh, Xavier Dotson, in particular, uh, loved him some Sacramento Kings last season. Um, and I think that the Kings are going to be fine this year, but I think there's going to be, as there is a lot of years, there's going to be a team that takes a major jump in their win totals, um, maybe makes a playoffs for the first time in a long time. Obviously, the Kings had the longest postseason drought, um, you know, in major professional sports for a while and stuff like that. 
So my pick for this year, who's going to be a, a, a real darling of everybody, I think the Pistons are going to be good this year. They have a very interesting roster because they have so many big guys, and maybe one of those three big guys is another candidate for the Grizzlies to try and pick off if um, one of them isn't working out so well because they have Jalen Duran, who was a Memphis Tiger. They have James Wiseman, who was a Memphis Tiger for like two seconds as well. <laughs> and... uh you know, is um, you know, has a lot to prove as a guy who was drafted number two overall and has now since been traded. And then Marvin Bagley, another guy who was a high draft pick, and that's their depth chart at the at the big man position. And it's very interesting, and I I, I will watch them closely all year long. Cade Cunningham is going to be my pick for most improved player this year, as long as he's healthy. I think Cade can be a guy who is a number one, similar to like what we were just talking about with John Morant, your best player on a championship team. I think Cade has that in him. Love his game. Uh, an interesting thing, too, when I was going through uh, depth charts, just kind of reminding myself yesterday uh, before we jumped on here, uh, but it was interesting. Jaden Ivey was not in the starting lineup for the depth chart that uh, the Pistons have on ESPN. I can't remember which Thompson twin that they ended up with, but their their Thompson twin was in the starting lineup with them. Um, so that that's a backcourt situation that I'll be watching closely as well. They will be my league pass team that I watched the most this season. So the Pistons get the Sacramento Kings award uh, for making a major jump this season. So excited to watch them. Yeah, I think that's a great call. And and really the, the bottom of the league is not really the bottom of the league like we've seen many, many years in the NBA. I mean, there's a lot of talent. I, I'm actually kind of interested in watching the Rockets, as you mentioned earlier. I mean, Wemba Yamba is a must-watch. The Hornets, yeah, I always get Charlotte into every broadcast, but they might be better. They, I think some of these bottom teams, even the Nets have kind of an interesting mix. You know, um, that's an interesting I agree. call. Yeah, that's what they call it Detroit, too, because there's a lot of talent in Detroit. And if they're healthy, they, they can be very interesting. That's why we talked about the expected win totals, Matt. I think, like, every night the Memphis plays, they better bring it. They can lose in Washington on that Saturday night coming up on, you know, October 28th if they don't. You know, Tyus Jones is going to really steady that Wizards team, and Jordan Poole's a, a, a pretty dynamic score. So, I love that. I love that. I had two to share with you today. I'm going to give my preseason MVP to Zaire Williams and do more of a kind of a serious trophy case award here because I saw that athletic bounce in him this preseason that I really, really was hoping to see. And, you know, he, he showed some flash at the three-point line. He showed some efficiency at the free-throw line, all joking aside. We struggle with that sometimes. And I saw some confidence in him that was really exciting. Now, I don't know. I mean, we've seen guys in the preseason that show that, and then we get to the bright lights, and we'll see what he looks like tomorrow night against the Pelicans. But there's some hope there, right? I mean, if he could turn into a very high-quality NBA 6'10 player, could really maybe change the trajectory of this Grizzlies team. So I'm going to give Zaire Williams my preseason MVP award because – I've been very hard on him, and I felt like there was no one on the team that had more to show in the preseason than Zaire after missing basically all last year. I would agree. So uh, so good good for you, Zaire. Looking forward to it. And then I'm going to go and give out my Rocky Five trophy, which is one of my favorite uh, awards, uh, where I want to like it, but I don't like it. I really want to like it, but I don't like it. And Vince Williams, I like you, but I don't like you. 
when I heard that he was coming to Memphis, all I heard was, oh, my God, he's got a three-point specialist. He's not a three-point specialist at the NBA level. He's just not making him at a high enough clip. He had nine rebounds in Atlanta, which is great. I don't know. Vince Williams, if he's going to stick in the NBA, has to have an elite-level skill shooting three-pointers. And right now, Vince Williams, for me, is barely hanging on. And I got to tell you, like, I'm a little disappointed. Every time I look at the box where he's one for seven, oh for six, two for eight. Like, this dude is a great guy. Apparently, by all accounts, a really nice kid. And I, I'm, I'm frustrated. I want to like him, but I don't like him. And he gets my Rocky Five award. I love it. Yeah, he's a guy that um, people were very high on because everybody wants a three and D guy in today's NBA. And some guys don't some some guys get cast as three and d players that are not that great at shooting threes and not that great at defense like jay crowder gets a ton of credit for being this great three and d player really doesn't hit a ton of threes (laughs) you know and sometimes his physicality can get mistaken for great defense um yeah i yeah he he's got a long way to go in my opinion on this uh Grizzlies team for sure to to kind of crack the rotation and be a guy that can be uh you know a, a three and D player for him. So we'll see what uh, his future holds for sure. Especially well, look, look with the contract that McDaniel's just got in Minnesota. Yeah, you know, exactly. Kind of a similar athletic frame, you know, kind of a similar role for that team. And if you were Vince Williams, you get drafted by Memphis. You're thinking that's a good fit for me. I could go to Memphis and, you know, they got a little bit of an opening there, that three spot. They need some three-point shooting. Just hasn't happened. Hey, Matt, let's jump into uh, our last segment. After looking at the NBA and all the offseason moves, is it a case of the more things change, the more they stay the same? We'll see. Has the power shifted at all between the true contenders? Let's run down our top four rankings of the season the first time we've done this this year one of my favorites uh, we ran it through last season and, and i think denver bubbled to the top as they should have i was a slow believer in them but they really really played well and i know that xavier's not here but he did send you his top four so why don't we start with that yeah and i uh since i already had it ahead of time i am quickly trying to calculate um the points before we get to uh your teams as well uh and all right so i've got a pretty good idea of where we stand before we get to your list all right so uh you want xavier's list or my list first yeah go with xavier first all right xavier uh thanks for sending us your top four nba title contenders ranked by the college football playoff committee xavier in reverse order has the phoenix suns at number four a team that we just talked about obviously uh, wants to be in title contention for sure. Uh, number three, the defending champion, Denver Nuggets. Two, Milwaukee Bucks. And number one, something that uh, I think may be common out of the three of us to start is the Boston Celtics for Xavier. So he has, uh, in order, Boston number one, Milwaukee number two, and the Nuggets number three, Phoenix his number four team. Um, and I'll quickly give you my list as well. While we're on it, I agree with Xavier. I have Boston as the number one title contender coming into the season. Second, I have to put the defending champs there. Uh, as much as I love uh, that Boston offseason, I have to continue to respect uh, the guys that currently have the championship belt. So I'm putting Denver at two. 
number three for me, and this may uh, be a point of contention, but it's a big matchup tonight, and it'll decide kind of where these teams move in the playoff rankings for me immediately. But I have the Lakers at number three for a title contender. I think that both LeBron and AD have something that they want to prove this season for different reasons. Uh, LeBron to solidify himself uh, in the, you know, the history of the league as, as you know, a, one more title for him could really cement his legacy as the greatest player undisputedly. Um, and I think that he really wants it this season. He's the oldest active player in the NBA now, by the way. Did you know that? Like, obviously, yeah. has, Haslam's gone. Vince Carter's gone. Like, all those guys that were kind of hanging on, they're all gone. So, as we stand right now, LeBron James is the oldest player in the NBA and still a really good one. And I loved their offseason. I loved some mm-hmm. of the guys that they picked up in the re-signings. And they still have an opportunity to make another move at the deadline with the contract that they gave D'Angelo Russell and, and Rui as well can be patched, packaged uh, for another superstar, namely Kyrie Irving, if it comes to that. And then lastly for me, I've got Milwaukee in the four spot. I said last week I think they're going to be an awesome regular season team. I think it's going to be another postseason flameout for them, especially when they have to go through Boston. Could have to see their nemesis again in the Miami Heat, who's given them a ton of trouble. Um, so Milwaukee's fourth for me. So in order again, that was Boston, Denver, Lakers, and Milwaukee. Dave, what you got? We're all swimming kind of in the same waters, right? And we're shuffling around there. I, I, I'm going to start with number four. I, I think Phoenix is number four. I want to see it. And I don't love that that all of a sudden Bradley Beal's not even playing tonight. I that just that just doesn't come on, Bradley. This is a big national TV game. I would, but I'm with you on the Lakers. And I love the offseason. And, and you know, you had Christian Wood, you had Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, and these guys. Look, they're they're not they're not um title swinging acquisitions, but you put them with LeBron, you put them with AD, you put them with a pretty good infrastructure. They could be a very look, look what happened to Rui Hashimura coming from the train wreck in Washington. He was pretty serviceable for the Lakers. Uh, and I, I really think, you know, Jackson Hayes, they got some guys that can play and, and they have two of, we could argue the 10 best players in the world that not many teams have that the Lakers are, are going to be really, really good with health. I have them at three. I have the, the Celtics second. And I'll tell you why, because I don't know how you integrate all these new parts without a little bit of a bounce. I mean, I, I like Porzingis. I, I, you know, I like Drew Holiday, but they're a different team. They're just going to take a little bit of time. Certainly, we'll see how this evolves over the course of the, course of the season, Matt, right? I mean, but by, by February, March, they might be the best team in the league. Right. Yeah, definitely. But right, but right now, I mean, I mean, Porzingis struggles to stay healthy, and they've got, you know, uh, some some people to work in there. And I, but I'm going with Denver number one. I, I, I didn't like them last year. All they did was run right through the West and go to the NBA Finals and win it. And they have the best player in the world, in my opinion. I like him more than Giannis. Uh, I, I just see a team that's confident. You know, when you win it for the first time, all of a sudden now success breeds success. And I think the Nuggets are going to be absolutely fantastic. Th- there's something about Joker's personality that says to me he's got like this long run in him. He's not overwhelmed by the moment or about his success. And if Jamal Murray's healthy, they're really, really, really good. They have a good coach, a great crowd. I, they have all the ingredients. To me, I'm, I'm sort of jealous of them because they got a superstar that stays out of trouble. They got like all this stability that I want in Memphis. And I, I really like the Nuggets coming into this season. And I would be shocked if they're not in the Western Conference Finals at least. 
Yeah, I um, love this team. Have loved them for a while. I obviously was high on them all of last season. I think it's really, really hard to repeat as a title um, winner in any sport. I think it's the hardest thing you can do is win back to back. And as much as I love Jokic, like the kind of um, laissez-faire nature he has to basketball does kind of concern me from the fact that like it's possible that he won one title and he's happy with it. And, you know, he's not as driven as he was um, to try to win a second one, especially back to back. Um, he obviously had a very fun off season back home. And uh, so I wonder, and I'm very excited to see tonight, you know, if they set the tone for uh, a championship defense against the Lakers. Um, so it's a really interesting list after I've tallied up our votes as we did last year, uh, you get five points for a number one spot. Num uh, you get four points for second, three points for third, and one point for um, that fourth spot for us. So that gives us Boston as our number one team um, aggregate. And then we have Denver, the Lakers, and Milwaukee, uh, very interestingly. And then I guess Phoenix would be our fifth team yeah. since you and Xavier had them both on your list. So very interesting. Boston, Denver, Lakers, Milwaukee, Phoenix – that's our uh, initial top five that we have now. And uh, I'm excited to see. It was really funny to look back last year and like see how much it changed and stuff like that. Like we had Dallas in there at points. Mm -hmm. um, that was one of mine. I think you had Atlanta at one point. Yeah. Um, so it, it definitely changed. And we had the Grizzlies a couple times. We had Memphis oh, so, a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. And yeah. we didn't even mention them at all. So very interesting. Um, I love it, man. And I cannot wait for basketball to start and be back and for this grizzly season to get kicked off super fun and what one one disagreement we have is i don't i don't love the bucks but uh everyone on espn oh, yeah. loves them and you know we'll see i mean i think you add you know, you know lillard hasn't had any pressure on him in 15 you know how long has he been in the league 10 years now a longer he hasn't any pressure on him i mean you know portland has no pressure going into the season all of a sudden now he's playing in games they gotta win i mean they made that move to win i told you I did, my my uh comp was um Dwight Howard going from Orlando to the Lakers. And, you know, you leave that little bubble in Orlando where everyone's happy with Mickey Mouse and winning 45 games, go to the Lakers. He wasn't very good with the Lakers. And so yep. we'll see. I mean, Litter's not a young kid. He's a wonderful player. But now, you know, you get into those Eastern Conference playoffs and he's going to have to grind and be, you know, I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see where Milwaukee goes. They're a bit older team. But uh, let, listen, before we wrap today, Matt, please plug your socials. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Matt H. Gill. That's where you're going to find most of my stuff. Um, and obviously, we always tweet out the episodes. The clips are great. Follow at the Core 4 Podcast as well. Follow Bluff City Media. That is Bluff City underscore media on their Twitter. Um, there's so many good podcasts on Bluff City Media now. Tons of great articles, everything there. So check them out for all of your written and recorded Grizzlies content. Absolutely. And, and Xavier, get better soon. We miss you. His Zay time takes, uh, he, his uh, videos are so much fun to watch and I really appreciate him putting in the work on that. I hope you feel better soon. You can find me at DLB19338 on Twitter or X, whatever they call it. Don't forget to check out the core four throughout the off, uh, throughout the entire season here. Now I was at the off season, Matt, we're actually in the season now. Yeah, we sure are. Super fun. So uh, great recording with you today, and uh, let's get a win tomorrow against New Orleans. Absolutely. Go Grizzlies. All right. We want to thank you for tuning in and being part of the Core Four. It's the show for the hardcore Memphis Grizzlies fans. Stolen by Marin. Hammer. Nail. Coffin. And